2: Your host, Derek
3: Carey. Welcome to another episode of Astro Radio Z. I am your host, as always, Derek Carey. And tonight, we're going to do a little bit of an offshoot episode. You know, last one was our Vice Academy episode. We have two more of those coming, but we need a break from sleazy cop films and let's go into some other different kind of sleaze tonight we're gonna talk about exploitation films folks but before we get into that let's bring on and talk about who is here with me to reveal their innermost sleazy secrets Brian Kirst of course mr. big gay horror fan how are you doing tonight
4: I'm doing pretty good my man how about you
3: man? I'm doing wonderful tonight uh, any big news in the, the big gay horror front
4: you know um yeah I don't know if I should talk about this, but I'm going to because I, you know, that's just how I am. Um,
3: please do. I, it looks
4: like I might have a piece in shock cinema coming up. Hell yes! Really? Awesome. So, yeah, cool. so, so we're in the starting. I, I got in the first draft, so it's an interview with character actor Steve Easton, who I interviewed please. for Hidden Horror because of my night morning piece. So, but I talked a lot about it the rest of his career. So, so yeah, keep your fingers crossed. It looks like it's a done deal, but you know, until it
5: comes out, you never know. So, do of let course. me know. I'll go buy it, man.
4: Right, oh, awesome.
5: yeah.
3: Awesome. Absolutely. And I just saw John Kitley uh, like two weeks ago yeah. in Oshkosh, and we were talking hidden horror. So uh, you should do a little pimpage on hidden horror.
4: Um, hidden horror is 101 essays about uh, obscure horror films, probably a lot like the films we're talking about tonight. Um, there's a Facebook page for it, Hidden Horror, but it's got a lot of awesome people. You know, Chris Alexander from Fangoria is probably one of the better known ones, but, um, uh, Tony Timpony might be have, have an essay in it. Um, mm-hmm. there's just a lot of, just a lot of cool indie, you know, bloggers and horror freaks and across every kind of, um, level, every genre. So, so it's just a cool book. And. For you guys on the show and who are listening, they are planning to do future books, and they're not going to repeat any of the writers. So um, definitely check out the Facebook page. If you have a film that you love that's a little more obscure, um, they're definitely looking for people for the next you know, two, three, four volumes. So
3: Absolutely. If people want to get do a hold it. of them, uh, Aaron Christensen was the editor on that, and John Kitley put the book together. Find them on Facebook. And you should be able to get in contact with them if you're interested in that. So awesome, awesome stuff. Great book. Uh, my dear friend John Pata had a piece on Pieces, one of uh-huh. our favorite
4: films. John did all the layout. almost picked that, layout. too. John did the layout, too, and did a great job. Yeah, he
3: did. Job, so. Yeah, he did. It's a great book. Next on the show is Mr. Gonzarific himself, Andrew Shearer. How you doing, my friend?
5: I'm good, dude. I'm eating a Blue Raspberry Blue Pop right now, so no. <laughs>
3: you're doing you're making it happen for so, real? now did you go to uh, days of the dead atlanta this last uh, weekend
5: yeah i always go i always cover it for for work so i was there yeah how was how was it is the worst one yet, man. Why is that? Uh, Days of the Dead just doesn't. They're not like, uh, your Spooky Empires and your Monster Manias and stuff like that. They, they kind of like, they kind of seem like they haven't really been to those shows and don't really. Not a whole lot going on in the way of it. It's a lot of the same guests they've had before. Uh, a lot of, like, cancellations that I didn't know about. Uh, mm-hmm. um, and, um,. I mean, there's just they, they seem to be more sparse than years past. It just their moderators are terrible for the panels. Um, they're not doing 24-hour uh, like uh, running films and stuff like that. They had oh, a fun festival, sucks. but they, you know, just really. I mean, they sk- they screen American Guinea Pig. They screen. They had some neat stuff, but like sure. for 35 bucks for a day, it really wasn't. It just. I, I, I was like I'm I may not cover it next year and I've been doing it for the last four years. Uh,
3: so who was the who was the big guest? <laughs>
5: Corey Feldman oh, <laughs> And uh, for, uh who Cory Corey Feldman was one they had a Hellraiser reunions so like Doug Bradley was uh-huh. there I'm trying to think of people that I'd never. Is Ashley Lawrence before. in there? Or no. Well, well, the no, is, she canceled, dude. She can't. I was supposed to interview her. She canceled. Oh, that stinks. I like. Well, Lawrence saying- she probably was getting paid for something. So.
3: Well, the thing is, her and Doug Bradley seem to tour around together all the time. I saw them at Flashback a few years ago.
5: It, uh, that's my point, man. These guys are. It's a lot of the same. It was like the big, the big thing was like a, a Devil's Rejects um, reunion panel. It's like no, that happens every year because these guys right. are, you know. But and Angus Grim, yeah. that was pretty rad.
3: Oh, that's pretty awesome! Yeah, Sid Haig is at every one of these things.
5: The just, you know Sid Haig at every convention I've been to in the last ten years. <laughs> right, <laughs> totally. I,
6: I remember I remember when uh, the Spooky Empire I went to a couple years ago. Here, uh, one of their of course one of their main guests because everybody's Walking Dead crazy now is was supposed to be Norman Reedus. But if you were following, Norman Reedus is canceled on a lot of these things, and he canceled there last minute. They had to scramble for somebody. Uh, to get to replace Norman Reedus uh, that they could give for star Power. The only person they could get in the nick of time Dennis Rodman. Mm. And I actually and I actually I'm sure so you have your double team all, Simon Says. Uh, oh, yeah, no, Simon I, was says. Actually, I was actually I was actually speaking to the, uh, this girl that was actually supposed to do, do security for uh Readis when he was at his table, she says, "Yeah." And then I got, you know, reassigned, and they say, "Oh, you're doing Rodman now." I just, well, what the hell is Rodman have to do with this anyway? She's like,
3: "Guess what?" No, you're I- like, "Well, I do have my copy of the Minis." Yeah, no, dude, Everybody
5: was walking around talking about how bad it was, and you know, stuff like that. Honestly, man, uh, me and Dee just like we we bounced at, at dinner time, and then the rest of the night we just made movies. We made we shot like two movies. <laughs> That's oh,
3: awesome, dude. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I saw I saw. Oh, on facebook a bunch of cats i know uh were down there but they're they're the underground indie folk and oh no man like be, um
5: like louis justin was there with his massacre yep. video table yep. um i don't know if fred was fred vogel was there this year but i know he was there last year and yeah. know, so i saw him and stuff like some of the wasteland people
3: yeah it, it, i it mean has been yeah yeah i just yeah and it, there were some other cats there
5: you just you can't make a day out of it, let alone a weekend. You know what I'm saying? Right. It wouldn't. So there. Yeah, I made movies instead. Made this movie called Cheesecake. Yeah. You guys are gonna like
6: it. Oh, awesome. Love already. <laughs> yeah,
4: we see this. Derek, the well, it's right. be- this. fall, they had a lot of cancellations. Like half their guest list practically canceled
3: this fall too. Well, the that's r- that's we right. At. I remember that Days of the Dead we were at in, in Chicago. I, I know um, one the one dude from the Rockers uh, WWF he canceled out. I know Corey, because Corey Adler went, it was me, Corey, and my, my buddy Dustin, who's from the band uh, Casket Robbery, we all went, and uh, that was one of the big guests. I mean, we went there for uh, Bruce Kulick, and he was still there, and that was super fucking rad, but the rest of them were all the same cats, other than yeah. D. Wallace Stone was there. Um, yeah, I saw David, you know? David Naughton, got a handshake with David
5: Naughton, um, and then, uh, you know, my incident on Facebook, I put like a Tony Todd, who I've seen at several conventions over the years, oh, that's scary. Um, right? He and I, he and I were both wearing Blackula T-shirts. I, just, <laughs> I happened to I, I walked past it and I was like, because mm-hmm. oh, Tiffany Shep is the one that told me that uh, that he was wearing the shirt because I didn't see him. So I was like, man, if I see him, I'll, I'll have to live, you know show him my shirt. So I, I I saw him. I was like, hey, cool shirt. He's like, thanks. And then then he could just I I almost walked past him. And he saw that I did, and he grabbed me and gave, gave me a very enthusiastic handshake. It was pretty cool. But again, did it's the same Ginger people. you see Ginger Allen? Yeah, but I, I didn't like how Gingerland threw Tracy Lords under the bus on the uh, on Ashley West podcast, so I didn't really have. Um, you know, but I've, I got my Vice Academy stuff signed. Before, they've
6: they've so. they've hated each other forever. <laughs> they hated each other before the the scandal. Um, it's I mean it's in the books. We'll, we'll go. Books,
5: we'll talk about know. this on the Vice Academy. Yeah, that, I, got,
6: yeah, I got uh, the next Vice say. Academy. Sorry. Right. Yeah, we got cut all yeah, that. that next Vice Academy episode is going to
3: be interesting to say the least. So next on the panel here we have Miss Kate Owens. How are you doing tonight?
7: I'm doing great.
3: Yes, I'm excited to have you on because we are going to be talking some filthy sleaze tonight and to have you on is is quite a treat because I think you may be bringing the filthiest and sleaziest film that we have on here tonight. I think so.
7: I can only hope. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Next to her is, of course, Astro Radio Z staple, Mr. Scott Davis. How are you doing tonight, sir?
6: I'm doing good, Derek. Thanks for having me. Absolutely.
3: It wouldn't be a show without you, brother.
6: Mm-hmm. I agree. And,
1: <laughs>
3: but a, somebody got to get this guy a big pillow to put his head on, please.
1: please. Um, it's like In Sputnik... La-
3: <laughs> now that's a deep cut right there um last but not least you you haven't heard him since the dario Argento dracula episode way back in the day mr seth yeah. powlin of celluloid terror how are you doing tonight sir doing good but i
8: only come around for the good shows well of course you do why wouldn't you <laughs> only Excuse only the best
3: well, it's good to see you. I mean, after your your postpartum depression from the the Baltimore Ravens taking a dirt nap this season.
8: Oh boy, I'm still feeling it.
3: <laughs> Trust me, uh, it. It, it's called the NFC Championship game, man.
8: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm still crying
3: over it. So tonight, as I said before, we're going to be talking about exploitation films, and uh, this this episode came about, and sometimes some of my episodes for Astro Radio Z just come about um, out of the blue, and this episode in particular came about because I had a friend over, and inevitably, when they come over to my place, I have stacks of movies and uh, shelves of movies, and if I'm like making food or doing something they end up staring and looking through all my movies and they happen to be (laughs) looking and found uh i know you're not going to be able to see this but i'll describe it they found a pack of um Hmm. nazi exploitation films that i have uh in ss hell pack triple feature pack uh that has ss experiment love camp SS girls and SS camp women's hell in it, and uh, if you don't know what Nazi exploitation is, Nazi exploitation is basically the genre of film that that kind of mixes women in prison films with um, the Holocaust, and <laughs> so so they're basically very tasteful, films. <laughs> yeah, very 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 tasteful films.
1: Um, they're exposing
3: issues that oh.
5: better. Exposing a lot
3: of things. They're exposing quite a bit of things. Yeah. Um, so, so they looked at this and they saw the, you know, the title SS Camp Women's Hell, and they looked at me and said, "Why do you own this?" And uh, as any old school uh, exploitation and uh, sleaze fan can attest to, you've been asked this quite a number of times uh, in your life because you've been looking for films like this <laughs> your whole life. <laughs> with no uh, qualms as to why you were watching this, just because sometimes, you know what? You need a little sleaze in your life, so this these this set of films in particular, um, I got dirt cheap, and I, I'm a fan of the Ilsa series, you know, Ilsa, She-Wolf of the SS, Harem Keeper of the Oil Sheiks, and The Wicked Warden, and uh, these films are quite a step below them, and uh, quite nastier, um, so I, I thought that was a really interesting thing was that, you know, when you bring somebody who's not used to or versed in exploitation film, when you get that perspective and all of a sudden you have to step, step back and go, oh not everybody likes Nazi exploitation films um, <laughs> where you got to go oh some people don't understand what exploitation film is so I thought I'd bring on some very versed people in exploitation films which is everyone that always comes on my show so uh, tonight'll we'll, I'll give you a little if we were to go on to Wikipedia it explains exploitation film as follows exploitation film is an informal label which may be applied to any film which is generally considered to be low budget and therefore apparently attempting to gain financial success by exploiting a current trend or a niche genre or a base desire for lurid subject matter. The term exploitation is common in film marketing for the promotion or advertising of any type of film. Now, usually when people ask me what exploitation film is, I, I generally say all film. So all film in some respects is exploiting some sort of topic or some sort of like comedy laughs uh rom-coms you know sappy romance love feelings blah 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 but when people generally talk about exploitation it's always about the sleaze shit so um andrew how did you come into being an exploitation film fan
5: uh, yeah, I'm I I'm from the uh, the era of uh, v- VHS tape and um, and you know late night cable because I, I grew up in the 80s and you know my dad was into driving movies uh, my parents were bikers and so they just gravitated toward the craziest stuff you know movies they they and their buddies could go take get on their bikes and go hoop and holler drink beer and yell at the screen you know they always told me great stories about going to see whatever you be at Dawn of the Dead or you know, some, some lower rung kind of a thing. And I always was just super jealous because I'm like, I just sit at these at home, you know, it was past that time for me. But really the stuff that I got my hands on, uh, was stuff that Joe Bob Briggs curated for me. He was like one of my heroes. When I was a kid, I taped his show. Mm -hmm. We'd watch it on Sunday instead of going to church. and Me and dad would just, you know, sit there and check out incoming freshmen or blood feast, or, you know, yeah. any, of the, any of these movies. And I wasn't taught that these were bad. You know, I'd go to school and talk about them, and everybody was like, What the hell? And I'm like, That's right. I'm so punk rock because I know this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I just, I, I always owned it. I always, you know, I always just really, I felt like, um, I don't know, it made me feel more original as a person because I, I, I got this stuff that other people didn't get. And, you know, my friends would come out. I remember I was in a band one time with this guy, and we got in this car accident, so we were both kind of messed up standing out of school, he would just come over to my house and be like, let's watch some of those weird movies you got. Just do it up. And I'm like, okay, cool. So I remember I put on the Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers for him, and in in my yearbook that year, I'll never forget, he wrote this big thing. I never thought I'd watch something called Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers. But, you know... (laughs) Yeah, everybody, everybody just kind of would flip out. So we, they'd sleep over and watch them, you know, or I'd bring them to band practice or you know stuff like that. It just I became known as the guy that was into this stuff, and you know nobody really. It wasn't until I got married and my uh, mother-in-law was in town and she slept over at the apartment and she she was asleep right next to the tape so the nude, oh, nude, for, the nude for Satan tape was like right by her head
1: <laughs>
5: <laughs> and you know that's a conversation piece and, and uh, every Christmas they're like we don't know what to get off this wish list because we don't want it to be in our suggested items for the rest of the year
1: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
5: I get a lot of gifts
1: yeah.
3: <laughs> well that's even to be a general consensus to anybody that actually has a collection of these films at home is that eventually somebody from outside the circle is going to come in and qu- and look at this stuff and judge it.
5: Yeah, I tell um, you what I hear. If I didn't know you better, I'd be think you were really messed up.
3: Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's yeah. That's I've heard that quite a number of times. Brian, have you ever come into people that have uh, kind of been a little confrontational about your taste in films?
4: Uh, sure. Yeah, you know, like, cause, cause I've got like a whole other, you know, theater reviewing, you know, dramatic arts kind of side and writers groups and all that kind of stuff. So, um, definitely, kind of the same comments Anders have gotten, like by you know, quote unquote, you know, elegant, you, you know, professional writers that I'll you know hook up with and you know, for different conventions or panels or what have you, will be kind of think. Um, they called it a low energy uh, on the, on the spectrum or something, and they've had, like, very clinical terms for it. So, yeah, sure, people, and kind of the same comments, you know, like, wow, you're really, like, lighthearted, you know, you've got great energy and you like this shit, you know. And my parents would freak them out, you know. I would have to sneak Fingory into the house. So from the very beginning, it, it like, it was kind of a nice uh, – Rebellious kind of. I was always the good kid, and this is one way to be naughty, kind of by watching this shit.
5: <laughs> Brian, it, did they also fun. tell you like you don't look like you'd like this stuff. You ever get that? I get. Oh that. sure, sure, yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. Of course, yeah. yeah. I remember I was editing a piece for an agency once, and uh, the the the. the producer of the piece actually came to my house and he walked in and we had been talking for quite some time and he kind of knew my tastes and in film and in music and, and things in general and he walked in and uh, he's like, this just totally burst my bubble. You live quite a normal life.
6: They think yeah, they're going to live in a damn crypt or something, don't they? <laughs> no, that would be <laughs> rad if
5: I did live in a crypt. I know. And snakes
6: everywhere. Uh, I can't afford I can't afford to to pimp out a crypt but so I live in a little tiny house in Florida no, yeah. our, our,
5: our guest bathroom is all Halloween stuff it's got like severed hands in it and stuff uh, I love like, yes. watching some people go in there sometimes. they're like whoa there is a remote control spider right above the toilet. It's- oh
6: <laughs> that's, that's awesome that's just rad man
5: this <laughs> is that one spot you know
3: Seth because you write uh, a blog that's concerned mostly with exploitation films I'm. What is your history with exploitation films, and what do you con- do? You consider exploitation films to be a negative thing?
8: No, I don't consider exploitation a negative thing at all. Um, I mean, if you can get your movie made cheap and quick, more you know, more power to you. And that's how most you know exploitation gets done. So no, I think it's a positive. Um, how others view it is how others view it. Uh, I guess it's not for everybody, obviously, but. I got into it just looking for uh, alternatives to horror movies, and you know stuff that would interest me outside of watching, you know, Jason or Michael Myers. Dug more into uh, European or Japanese stuff and low budget, uh, I guess, stuff from the sixties and seventies, and got into that when I was a little bit younger, and you know. Just probably how everybody really got into it.
3: Yeah, the, the Italians during the 70s really pushed the boundaries. Uh, the Italians and the Japanese uh, in, in particular. And uh, speaking of such, uh, Miss Kate Owens really dug into the Pinky Violence films a while back, which is a subgenre of rape revenge films from the 60s and 70s that the Japanese decided to just go hog while on. What, what appeals to you about these kind of films?
7: You know, I'm not. I'm not really sure. Um, I've thought about it a lot, and I've tried to kind of figure out why. But I don't know. There's just something kind of. I don't want to say satisfying because sometimes it's not. But you know, like in a pinky violence movie, when you see the girls just like going crazy on the the bad guys or the evil girls in the, in the high school. It's just like, it just feels so great to watch that happen. <laughs> you know, like it's just, yes. But
3: like as far it's like as, urge.
7: yeah, well, it, and I mean, as far as anything else, I don't know, like a sinful dwarf. I'm not sure why, I can watch that. (laughs) I'm not sure (laughs) why anyone can
1: watch that.
7: (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I'm still trying to figure it all out.
3: I think, you know, and this was something when I had the conversation with said person when they were at my house, they're they're just like, well, what, I mean, really, what are the, what is the use of exploitation films? And I think, honestly, most people have that kind of innate Uh, Dark side to them that they need satisfied in some way, shape or form. And in order to sit and get those urges out of them, they get to sit and vicariously live through these characters and these really seedy films. And it's a safe outlet for these things that normally if they tried to enact these things in their real life obviously they get in some deep shit.
5: <laughs> but I, I also just like to freak myself out and freak out my friends. I mean, that's a, that was always a really cool thing of it too. Like even now, like the past few years on my birthday, that's what I do. I get the art house theater, um, in Athens, Lets me play whatever I want, you know? And so like this, uh, this, past January, my birthday, we watched Chatterbox, uh, Candace Riles oh, and we yeah. were talking vagina. And then people <laughs> right. show up and they're like, damn, that was great. And I'm like, I know, right? We, we do, we've done Franken before, we've done, you know, and I'll show trailers and stuff like that. And, and uh, they just, people show up that, some sometimes people show up, I barely know off Facebook. They're just like, man, I gotta say that I saw Frankenhooker or whatever, you know, I'm like, Hey, sit down and dig it, man. Cause you yeah, know, this is, this, this is not the kind of movie you're just going mean, to, you can't hear I to get out of Redbox or a lot of times, you know what I'm saying? They wouldn't even know where to find that stuff.
3: No, Absolutely not. Scott, I mean, do you you feel that uh, the exploitation film in general kind of not only just push the boundaries, but they kind of take you into places that you just aren't expecting? And that's kind of the thrill of them.
6: Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a completely different world. It's a completely different world. When I was, uh, I mean, how I got into it, I mean, I actually got into it by a nice, in in a nice, innocent way, honestly, (laughs) is because when I was a kid, I was already into film, but then the film versus since I can remember. And the folks were okay with that. As, cons- as conservative as they could be, they were okay with it. And then I started picking up on names. Like, I'd see something, I'd pick up on a name. So when I saw Laser Blast, or when I went to see Metal Storm in the theater, I'd say, Charles Band, I need to know that name. Or then I or I was a big fan of, like, Mad Max and stuff like that, so I looked at all the knockoffs. So I started to see all these Italian names. I'm like, okay, I gotta remember these Italian productions, these Italian names. And then, of course, you kind of get into like the more like the Dario Argentos, and you get into, like, all the sleazier stuff, and you get into all the things. And it opens up a whole new world, and suddenly The folks weren't really as okay with it because, my God, he (laughs) obsesses and rents like three, four, five movies every weekend, you know, and they're all this like really trashy stuff and everything. And uh, people – by the time I got to high school, people – I mean because I was like this really shy person. Believe it or not, <laughs> until like my junior year, uh, and suddenly I started talking and everything and like almost immediately, people said, "Dude, you got you want some really like fucked up movies, Scotty, hook you up." <laughs> <laughs> Scotty, Scotty, Scot- Scotty's got the all these tapes. Scotty's got thousands of videotapes. And they'd say no, 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 and they'd come over to my place I'm like yeah, and I'd, and I'd actually bring them to school in giant garbage bags. That I'd lug over my thing like Santa Claus, and like yeah, I keep these in the video yearbook room. <laughs> oh my god, dude, that remun- you're
3: the slea, you're Yeah, dude, for real. Was,
5: <laughs> when I fra- saw my first Sean Costello movie, it was a guy like you at school that passed me a Prisoner of Pleasure, and we <laughs> thought we were gonna watch oh porn, my gosh. and we were like. Ugh
6: yeah i i didn't have to, believe it or not i didn't have the i didn't have that many porn tapes until i was you know over 18 and over the legal age uh but i had like but you know what i had a shitload of weird horror i had a shitload of like bad barbarian flicks i had a shitload oh, yeah. of all this stuff oh, yeah. and people were like oh my god it's gotta look and So people get, I would get in trouble. Like people keep on skipping class to go to the video yearbook room and watch your copy of *Perils of Gwendolyn*. (laughs) <laughs> and I'd be like, well, they should. They they should. They're gonna learn more from Perils of Gwendolyn than they're gonna learn from that stupid chemistry teacher.
3: <laughs> See, that's that's the thing is that the video stores back in the day they just thrived on this kind of stuff because it was cheap to produce and they they pushed it out there because they needed content on the shelves. Now oh, I'm like okay. Andrew. I grew up on uh, Joe Bob Briggs Drive-In Theater, and that's where I my my thirst and my love for exploitation films start. I mean, I think. For a lot of people of our generation, Joe Bob Briggs is kind of the godfather of uh, pushing exploitation film out to the masses. I mean, I, who else ever I, watched I, that?
6: I, I watched it. I got the book, Joe Bob Goes to the Drive In, from the public library, never returned it uh I got all the did you get his
5: newsletter I got his newsletter I
6: never got his newsletter and people used to I mean I used even my employers I used to work all while I was a teenager I worked at a cable access station uh, which was a really cushy job if you just wanted to like shoot the shit and do videos and like make videos and talk about videos and um uh, this guy had this like these like hippie bosses, and the one guy was just cracking up. He's like, this guy idolizes Joe Bob Briggs, man. Roger Corman and Joe Bob Briggs are this guy's heroes, and he'd like try to like answer the phone when he called me and pretend to be Joe Bob Briggs because he knew I was like because he knew I knew that book cover to cover. I'm like, I know. Somebody. Yeah, you'd
5: mark out. <laughs> <laughs> well, totally see, these guys out. are the tastemakers, dudes. You know, like uh, like like uh, Mike Weldon, Psychotronic, right? Yeah, right. You you crack that thing open. You just read it cover to cover. That encyclopedia, like I got to see all this stuff.
1: Absolutely, it it
6: was amazing. Like like I said, it was a completely new world. And to this day, whenever you can get an outlet and discover something new, something you haven't seen before, I mean. You're like you're like a moth to a flame by that. It might burn you, but you know what? Oh. You just you want get the good get stuff. In there. Yeah.
3: Yeah, when you find the good stuff, it's just so satisfying. I I remember saying this a while back that I'll I'll sit and dig through a thousand shitty ass movies, I get that one that's just the fucking right stuff. Right. It's worth it. Oh, yeah. It's totally worth it. Speaking of the the ones we I asked each of my panel members to bring on one trashy exploitation film that if somebody came over to their place, kind of like what happened to me, people would be like, um, why do you own this and that you actually enjoy. So I want to I want to start off with Mr. Seth Holland, because I think he has a pick that uh, is quite despicable, <laughs> and,
1: <laughs>
3: and I love I want I want to hear his piece on it. So so Seth, what do you got for me, brother?
8: Uh, Fight for Your Life from 1976. We are a nation wracked with violent crime. You
2: are about to see a small sample of an extraordinary, gut crunching film that vividly portrays the most sadistic
4: of these criminals. Got your
2: baby? That's
1: right.
2: Shame to make her an orphan. Just do like you're told. Ain't no gonna get hurt, huh? <laughs> Now we put the cuts together and shake opposite hands. It's done, we're blood brothers. And did we come in? Who are you, what is this all about? Jessica, ma'am, I'll oh, ask oh, the oh, questions, oh, you oh, understand? Hey Joey, how are you, man? Where the hell you been? Louise, do we have company? you better believe it, And now get your ass in here. Well, I kinda decided not to come out, so I'll see you later, huh? Now let's go get some glue, y'all. Get this! <laughs>
1: God
2: damn it! God damn it! Damn Ah! Get <laughs> Cory, quick, get nice. I'm gonna teach these people a lesson they won't forget. Come <laughs> on up, woman. Hey, I'm gonna cut that down. You're gonna shoot through it now. Turn, mother!
1: Turn, turn, turn! I'm Please, no. No. Hold your fire. Don't move,
2: I'll blow your balls off. You ain't even big enough to cut off. It's like the rest of your race. No guts, no nerve. He might have a dig between the legs, Jane you ain't got no balls. When faced with the terror of brutal killers, every cop, every man knows that surrender is impossible. You must fight for your life.
0: All right, no more killing. Throw the gun out the window, and then you come out. This is your last chance
2: story filled with unbelievable action, a movie of excruciating violence, a saga of extraordinary courage that will leave you cheering. Fight for your life. Experience it soon,
0: here.
8: The basic plot is that a group of uh, prisoners break out, rough up a pimp, steal his car, rob a liquor store, kill everybody in there, and then hole up in a black family's home in the, the you know countryside and basically just go total last house on the left on them and hold them hos- hostage, you know, totally morally degrade them in every way you can, uh, especially with a black family in America in the seventies. It's, it's, yeah. it's probably the most racially despicable film I can think of enjoying. <laughs> William Sanderson plays the lead, uh, batty and just completely carries the movie. And, uh, from what I understand, he has tried to disown himself from the film because he's so ashamed of being a part of it.
3: It's from funny that think. there's some of those films like that because I remember What's-His-Nuts from Last House on the Left. I just heard a podcast with him. Oh, Fred Lincoln, like, yeah. Got yeah, totally disowning Last House on the Left but but he was willing to stick his dick in just about anything in any movie possible
6: <laughs> and that always got me. i mean that always got me cuz Fred Lincoln he did a lot of even a lot of the Triple X stuff i mean the, the 70s let's remember was also when they were getting really really rough in those movies and yeah. he did a lot he did a lot more despicable movies than Last House on the Left <laughs> trust Certainly. Me. stuff Certainly. that i couldn't uh, stuff that i was like dude and i just fast forward
8: it through. <laughs> certainly, certainly. So,
3: so Seth, what is it about this film that, that draws you to it?
8: You know, uh, I guess uh, really Sanderson's performance uh, is just so over the top but without being hammy or cheesy in any way that it really just makes you hate him and his two counterparts so much that when they get their comeuppance, it's, it's so worth, you know, kind of wincing and being uncomfortable in your chair for all the racism and all that, that it's just, it's so entertaining, you know, to watch them fall and get what's coming to them. And on top of that, it's just, it's pretty well done for being such a low budget two week production, (laughs) with no production value really. Right. Uh, right, right. You know, it, it's just over the top in your face like it's a cold-hearted film and then the ending you know really gets you to stand up and cheer you know
3: right right it's kind of like that's i spit on your grave feeling where exactly, you, know, you, exactly. you literally sat through the ringer and then she just decides to go ape shit and it's it's kind of satisfying in the end even exactly. though i don't really like that kind of stuff um has anyone else here on the panel seen fight for life
5: Oh dude, yep. man,
3: check uh, when I, I don't know if you guys
5: remember me interviewing this guy, uh my friend Mark Weathersby, Is this uh the DJ in town, He's this gay, very gay yeah, black, he's awesome. black guy. Um we talk about Fight for Your Life and that. And we yeah, talk about I that and we talk that. about poor pretty Eddie also. And uh, you know, just, he, he mentions that there was a white trailer and a black trailer, There's one for the white theaters and one yeah. for the black theaters. I had no idea. It kind of blows my mind. but um, doesn't surprise it's, me. It, it's super nasty, man. And uh, you know, comparing to The Last House on the Left is pretty appropriate because you know, they have the whole family dynamic. You just will not believe the stuff these people say to each other. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can only imagine what it must have been like to be either a white or a black person sitting in the theater going and see. You know, you know you're going to see some rough and tumble stuff, but man, are you kidding yes. me? It's Absolutely. Like, it's hard to, it's to. hard to listen to. It's hard to watch.
8: I want to add that on the, uh, the commentary track from the DVD, the writer uh, from the movie said that the Baltimore screening was a near riot. I don't, I don't doubt it, man. I mean, it's. Yeah, so I wish I could find more information on that, but apparently it was just a disaster showing. Oh, yeah, poor poor Pretty Eddie
5: was made in Athens, and I have been trying for years to get people involved in it to to let me do a, a proper screening of that movie because it was never properly screened in Athens. The town has basically disowned it because it was released as Redneck County. It's a big deal when they are filming it here. But when it came out, they're like, "Holy crap!" Because it's yeah. it's comparable to fight for your life, but not quite as bad in that way. But um, I, I've unsuccessfully <laughs> all these years still I'm, I'm, uh, getting to getting an actual public screening of it. It's, it's not not on not on the part of the theater; they're totally willing. It's the getting the people that you know to come off of it and get someone to come out that was involved. Was, Impossible, uh, sure. dude. If you make that happen, I would come down there. I love we're pretty Eddie, dude. Leslie is still alive. We're all yeah. excited about it, but yeah, I cannot give them get them to come
6: off of it. I don't know uh, why. I yeah, you know Sanderson is every now and then he'll talk about it, but like Seth says, he's all sheepish about it because, I mean, this is the guy who in the 80s got known for, and hes I think Sanderson's a fantastic actor. I love seeing him in anything. And uh, this is the guy who in the 80s was known for being in Blade Runner and known for being Larry of Larry Daryl and Daryl fame on New Heart. <laughs> oh, yeah.
5: I'm racist. This is my brother racist. This is <laughs> my other brother. Yep,
3: exactly.
6: <laughs> But I mean, like, so I remember Shock Cinema doing an interview with him a few years ago. I think it was hilarious because I think that on the cover they had William Sanderson and William Atherton, two character actors that everybody mixes up. Uh, And uh, they were they were doing they were they were talking to Sanderson, and even the interviewer was like, "I'm watching the movie though, and I just hear the things that are coming out of your mouth." and Jesus William <laughs> like, he's like I know I know <laughs>
3: yeah fight for your life is, is quite a doozy so uh, Mr. Brian Kirst what was it you brought to the table
4: uh, Flavia the Heretic from nah. 1974
3: Now, I'm thoroughly, like, I have no knowledge of this film whatsoever, but I understand oh, that it's, it's, non, it's non-sploitation.
4: Non-sploitation. I love me some nun So, so <laughs> give me the primer.
3: Let me Fill me and the listeners of Astro Radio Z in on what this is.
4: Uh, Flavia the Heretic. It, it's very much inspired, and I think most of Nunsploitation, even though there were some earlier entries, I think, uh, are really inspired by... Uh, 1971's The Devils by Ken Russell
3: oh, awesome. what an amazing, amazing film amazing, amazing movie
4: film. brilliant you know, it kind of got some attention and uh, the Italians of course thought they could make a buck with it and really ran with it in the mid 70s to early 80s with some, some great stuff like The Other Hell and yeah. Killer Nun and Visions in the Convent.
5: My favorite is Love Letters of of a Portuguese Nun by Jess Franco. Awesome.
4: Yeah. He also has Las Dimons. Yeah. Which I saw
6: this last year. That was great again. I love that. Yeah. One of my favorite nunsploitation
3: films is School of the Holy Beast.
6: Oh, God. That's beautiful. Oh, hell yeah. Beautiful. Gorgeous, too.
4: Just the cinematography and the costumes. Yeah. Kate, you would like that one, language.
7: I know. I think I'd like all of these non-movies.
3: No, in particular, you'd like School of the Holy Beast because of your penchant for pinky violence films. This is a Japanese film that kind of takes a lot of the visual cues from those pinky films and just turns it completely on its head. It's an amazing film.
4: And what's so amazing about them too is. You know, I think all exploitation and all film has some kind of social resonance. But I think even with the the craziest um, non-exploitation film, I, I think there is some social significance because it's all really about the oppression of women. I mean, even in the other hell, it starts off with the crazy nun saying how the vagina is the root of all evil, and that's how the devil gets in. And so, so it's very much about you know just how women's bodies are oppressed, and you know, and just. Um, at its, you know at a tiny basic level, and of course it blooms from there. But but uh, I, I think that kind of makes these films. I mean, there is something you know at, at least a tiny bit you know that is saying something about society with these films. Yeah,
6: you, you know, exploitation films are often they're kind of like that. First of all, they're not like they're not like the the ritzy like well groomed person that you'd go to for their opinion on something. They're the scuzzy guy who hangs out at the corner bar, and it's like that guy who. He'll start talking about an important subject and then you'll be like you know what the dude has a point but he'll be saying it so crudely yes. and with so many shock points for right. you yeah. totally. I mean, that's an exploitation film isn't it I mean it's yes. so you have a film like the nuns exploitation, or even some of the Nazi exploitation or uh, other God uh, so many other films that I could just think of and they actually make important points about society and they're often ahead of of mainstream films in making these points about society, but they sit, but they're also out there to make a buck. They're also out there to shock because they need to get the attention. Otherwise they wither away and die. And they just, so they hit you so hard. They're like, man, he's a dude had a point. I don't think I could repeat that though. (laughs) You know, right. So,
3: so Brian, what, why don't you give us a a basic plot synopsis breakdown of, of what that is? Um, This one takes
4: place in 15th century, like 1400s. Um, Flavia is a young, you know, feminist style woman who is forced to go into a convent by her father, who's like a rich noble lord type, um, kind of controlling the lands. Uh, And she very much is unhappy about this um, and uh, kind of... Journeys a lot outside of the convent and just watches how women are treated, um, and is very disgruntled. Um, the Muslims come to invade, and she finally has enough, and she joins up with them to take revenge on you know all the men who have kind of you know cast her down. And of course, it doesn't end happily for her, but um. It, what's amazing to me about this film is it does say so much um, about women in society and just life in general and, and the glass ceiling and, and what have you. But it's, it's mixed with just horrific uh, moments of exploitation, you know, rape. And, you know, it kind of goes into the Euro jungle films for a moment there because they show a horse getting castrated. Oh, and um, they actually throw the horse down, tie his nuts up. I'm, I can't tell if they actually castrated on film because they do do a cutaway, but they actually show the balls, you know, kind of being flopped down to the ground. I, I almost think that. Um, they didn't actually castrate the horse but I'm not quite sure, I mean that that's just how it's done there,
3: I there wonder are- if, if maybe it was a fact that they, they did actually do it, because it wouldn't surprise me if they did do it, and it just wasn't enough for them, and they needed a, a cutaway to be able to to bring a little bit more of the violence into it Yeah, I, I hope I, that I, horse fired his agent, man yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> it's a prime moment in the film though, you, you, know, you know, it's a memorable moment, so he, he might have been cool with that um, like I was third. gonna
5: get him. I was gonna yeah. get him chopped off anyway. It gives <laughs> me nothing but anguish.
4: <laughs> and there's also a horrific scene where um, one of
5: the nuns, who is
4: kind of, there are several scenes that kind of really mimic uh, Ken Russell's The Witches. So just orgiastic, kind of dream quality scenes where the nuns are roused and kind of explore their sexuality. And, and one of the nuns in an earlier, one of the earlier sequences like that, who kind of strips off her clothes and goes crazy, is um. um tortured to death. And there's a uh, shots of her of them putting acid and fire on her breasts and chopping off her. Nipples that is the and...
5: part I remember the most about that and it, movie.
4: And it's, it's obviously very fake, but I think they do a great job with the sound effects and her wails and her screams kind of, she just sells it, dude. Sells it. I mean, cause, cause the, the effects themselves, obviously, you know, it's, it's wax and you know, what have you. Um, But uh, yeah, there's just, uh, I mean, there definitely is just laced with uh, a a whole dream orgy sequence. And uh, um, as a gay man, there's one amazing scene where uh, Flavia um, witnesses a nobleman raping a a girl in a pigsty. So when she takes up with the Muslims, she has this man kidnapped. And uh, uh, throws him on a barrel and puts uh, a huge sword at his throat. And then she has some of the Muslims' men rape him. And it is done just so matter of factly. You, you don't see a lot. But um, to, to the, the guy, there's a very handsome, swarthy Muslim man who kind of walks toward the writhing guy on the barrel. And it's just so casual and natural for him. Um, it almost gives the impression that you know to them it doesn't matter who it is you know they'd fuck a guy they'd fuck a nun they'd fuck a pig it doesn't matter and and, it, and it's just done so calmly and matter-of-factly they they don't make a big deal out of it it it, it kind of says in a subtle way a lot about the muslims just, just as they're portrayed in this film not in real life but sure um, sure as these invaders are portrayed that they're
5: just they're up for anything man you know and it says more for the pigs agent than the horses too <laughs>
3: sure. Sure. I think that one of the main things about nun exploitation is kind of the subversion of the idea of the pure nun, you know, of the the, the woman that's that's basically chased that, you know, just yeah. decided to forego sexual her own sexuality. Which and, is, and, and,
4: oh, I'm sorry, which is a huge issue I'm sure in life. Uh, I mean, I think that's why these films are so relevant. I mean, I could not imagine, you know, and I grew up Catholic um, and went to a Catholic high school. And you can see these women just, I mean, just there are horror stories of them, you know, how they beat and chastise the children in their charge. And they, they just must have had so much frustration, you know, having to neuter themselves in such a way that I think they really hit on the, the producers of these, you know, obviously are trying to make a buck, but I think yeah. they really hit something true. These women, not, not all of them, but I would say a fair degree of them were very, very frustrated and, and, you know, of of having to, you know, kind of deny their sexuality. and It's one reason why I love them because I I had – it's just that that, that's the more devilish, you you know, kind of naughty boy in me. But growing (laughs) up Catholic and having had confrontations with both priests and nuns, it's it's such a thrill to see them, you know, kind of – you know, in, in this light, you know, it, it, it's it's on that level, it's very fun for me. Just it, it's a nice kind of revenge scenario to, you know,
6: <laughs> it's, it's, it's all. Yeah. And it's also just that big middle finger to, uh, organized religion in a yeah. way uh oh, yeah. Yeah. i was now i was i was I, I wasn't didn't go through quite as much catholic school or anything as you did but i i went to private schools and stuff until i just told the folks no way no more i will run away i will not going again good to another one of these because they're so abusive uh i had this one place for when i was uh, in like fourth fifth sixth grade and they would uh your your the principal was also your teacher in the classes I was in. This was in the upper classes. And every day, anybody – kid who misbehaved was brought in front of the teacher who would beat the kid in front of the class with a severed broom handle. They would beat the kid on the, on, uh, uh, on the ankles and knees until the kid lost his balance and fell. And would then, and they did then tell him to to stop crying like a baby and get back to class. I was always in front <laughs> row center because of my eyes, so I had a front row seat of this every day, multiple times a day. And then you know, in the other school I was at, I was the one. I was always the annoying kid who was always raising my hand, saying, "Wait, that, wait, wait, what do you, what do you mean?" What do you mean women can't be in the priesthood? What do you mean they should be subservient? Wait, wait, wait. What's this whole thing about, you know, if you're gay, you, you burn in hell? What's this whole weird shit about baptism? And this is somebody who believed in God, but I was still, like, coming against them. And I was just known as, like, this big troublemaker because I asked questions. And I just saw just so much systematic repression and abuse all the time that I'm like, yeah. And I think that it, that's kind of – multiplied in these movies. It's no accident that, you know, there's some things like School of the Holy Beast and stuff like that, but it's no accident that most of these non-sploitation films are Italian. Of where, course. You know, the, where Vatican City is right there in the middle as its own city-state, and the influence of that is, like, front and center. That's no accident.
3: Miss Kate why don't you tell me what it was you brought to the table tonight because uh, <laughs> I, 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 that oh, last boy. film that Brian brought sounded quite filthy but I know the film you brought is absolutely fucking filthy let, let loose
7: I brought The Sinful Dwarf which is a <laughs>
3: you, <laughs> you god
7: bless you <laughs> it's, um, it's a Danish movie from the 70s.
0: The sinful dwarf, a depraved psychotic misfit crazed by the charms of young girls and luring them from the city streets into a hellish snake pit. My son will show you the (laughs) room. Oh, Peter, I don't want to stay here. What do you think
1: of
2: that blonde girl?
0: The sinful dwarf A tantalizing bride trapped in a web of terror. Last night, I heard noises. Are you snoring? No. And today, people have been walking in and out of that door at the end of the corridor.
2: Have you seen my wife?
0: A new girl you might be interested in. Watch out for it. The sinful dwarf. Admission restricted.
2: And it is
7: about a little person named Olaf, who looks a lot like Jack Black, wearing a lumberjack shirt. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's so <And> true. <laughs> it
7: is true. It's uh, it's so true. And he lives with his mother, and they rent out rooms in this apartment building, and they end up just kind of kidnapping women. And getting them, like, addicted to heroin and making them into sex slaves.
3: (laughs) The same total work. It's kind of got this weird. Like, if you were to take, you uh, if, if, if this is even a possible thing to to take pink flamingos and make it even sleazier than it was, is the sinful dwarf to take the the sex? That, what 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 do they do in pink flamingos? Where they were impregnating uh, women that they that they uh, they kidnapped to make babies on the slave trade? Yeah. And, <laughs> the sinful dwarf. They they take uh, these couples that come under the false guys that it's like a bed and breakfast or something like that and uh, end up locking them (laughs) in this kind of gross like sex dungeon. Yeah, it's (laughs) like a
7: a hidden room in like the upper floor in the building and what's really creepy is that Olaf like captures young women by like showing them toys that he has and then he like lures them back, and then, surprise.
3: Big surprise. <laughs> surprise! creepy I mean, <laughs> little guy he brought you into a sex dungeon. Big Sweet. surprise. That's,
7: that's pretty much what happens.
3: <laughs> now, I know the rest of you boys have seen this motion picture. Come on, I want to hear your thoughts. Seth, I know you've seen this filthy piece of I'm shit. I'm
8: looking at the DVD on my shelf right now, actually. Yes! <laughs> uh, I, I can just, I cannot get the image of that creepy attic room out of my head with the women just completely overdosed out of their mind on the floors. It's yeah. it's probably those asleep. drug scenes Yeah, That's those awful.
3: drug scenes are pretty in depth and pretty nasty. They do yeah. not glamorize heroin abuse whatsoever yeah. in that film. Show, yeah.
8: show that to the kids instead of dare <laughs>
7: Seriously though,
3: yeah, that's that is one I know you and uh, Andrew did a cult core episode, or at, where they did an actual commentary track. Yeah, we were
5: co- live watching it together.
3: Yep. <laughs> it just our our, our world cr- crushed and crumbled around us. And
1: oh yeah. <laughs> it
5: was the weirdest Christmas ever.
1: <laughs> so,
3: what was it that drove you guys to do that episode? It's freaking Kate's idea. <laughs> You are filthy, girl. You, like, you dug in deep. when once, once you and I started talking about pinky films, I'm like, oh, this girl's going to go deep into this stuff. You just wait. And the sinful dwarf happens. So how would yeah. you come across the sinful dwarf?
7: I was, I was browsing on my little Roku box thing, and I was on my Fandora channel, and I saw that there was a movie called The Sinful Dwarf, and I thought, I have to know what the heck this is. And I watched the trailer and then I was like, well, I'm going to watch
1: this. (laughs) I mean, it has,
7: you know, it's called The Sinful Dwarf. So it has that, it has title appeal.
0: Right. Absolutely. and,
7: And then it's just, it's just. Out of control.
3: <laughs> it really. is. It, it, and hence, the, the appeal of a lot of exploitation films. Are You know, they were sold on their covers. A lot of them were sold on those covers and lurid titles, you know?
6: I wanted to know if you were aware that there are two versions of Sinful Dwarf. Oh, absolutely. There's uh, a, Yeah, we tri-
5: mentioned that on the show. There, there is a did.
6: triple X version of it. I'm assuming that they just threw inserts in it, which is what they usually did, but who knows. So I just wonder if anybody here has seen the... The porno dwarf there or... Honest,
5: I honestly wouldn't want to because if it if it does what I think it does, it makes the bad scenes just worse
3: but yeah, it, you they know, are yeah. inserts
6: I, yeah. I, I know a lot because I know a lot of people get like really weirded out with a uh, thriller a cruel picture yeah uh, where they're fine with everything but the fact that they actually put in in triple X inserts into it, people couldn't deal with it because it made it too real.
5: Right, yeah, that I do have that version of that one. That so one. do I. Yeah, yeah, it's
6: yeah. The Yellow, not the, the red. Yeah. There <laughs> are multiple films like that. I have the red. I have the red. Or, like, yeah. or maybe it was the other way around. I don't remember. Yeah, well, the red was the one with the red was the one with the inserts yeah. in more okay. ways than one, and the other one was the uh, well, the yellow was the not the What, do you, by,
5: tradition. what do you mean by inserts?
6: Uh, I, mean that, I mean that men took their penises and took it and she was tied up and they stuck it right in her vagina. I, I shouldn't have to do medical on this, Andrew.
3: <laughs> <laughs> there, there was a string of films that they did that with where they shot it specifically. Some of them were shot hardcore and some of them weren't. Um, Erotic Nights of the Living Dead was kind of like that. Well, Caligula um, is probably the most famous one, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, uh, some of Sean Costellos films actually were kind of cut down as well weren't they and and, and put them out there in uh, kind of watered down versions
5: God, instead of a, a garbage can you're thrown in a dumpster and vice versa yeah
3: yeah there's I mean <laughs> this was, this, this, was a, this was a this was a trend back in the day because uh, during the porno chic era um, it was acceptable to to put out pornography as long as it had a story obviously once that died down that aspect of exploitation film kind of Went away and it just became straight up porn. Um, yes. So, speaking of lurid covers yeah. and, and lurid titles, Mr. Scott Davis brings one of my all time favorite films to the table. Scott, have
6: it. My film, is, you know, and I came close. I, I almost picked Hollywood Boulevard because I said, okay, it's a salute to the Roger Corvin New World yep. Pictures. But I said, you know what? Somebody sees Hollywood Boulevard on the on the shelf, they can I, they they can just pass right th- that right by. Uh, same thing with Gwendolyn. If they see Gwendolyn on the shelf, if they don't see that picture of Tawny Catane in the bondage gear, then they're like, okay, they can pass that right by. You can't pass by Hollywood chainsaw hookers. Nope.
0: When you work in Hollywood, you learn fast that there's just two kinds of girls in a town like this. The sweet, shy, innocent ones. You know, the ones you want to take home to mom. And then there are the other kind. The ones you just want to take home. Sometimes they like to play a little rough, but then these aren't your average girls, and this isn't your average mood. you haven't figured out by now there's something for everybody well almost there's action romance and a cast of thousands it's hollywood chainsaw hookers these girls charge an arm and a leg I think it's time somebody cut you down to size, Jack. Have you ever considered?
2: I'm going to enjoy splattering you.
0: Hostile, very hostile. That's a great set.
1: Yeah, I know.
0: Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers. It's a comedy that'll leave you in pieces.
6: And it's actually become the punchline when I tell people about the films I think. I just, and, like, for instance, we were talking about how people look at you differently when you watch this, these kinds of movies and stuff. I says, no, I'm a nice person. I'm a humorous person. I believe I believe in, you know, love and freedom and all that wonderful stuff. I am also really love uh, sitting down and watching and then talking about Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers. It's one of the greatest films ever made. It was done by Fred Olin Ray. Yep. Uh, and it was shot – uh, and it is truly a beam flick exploitation film shot in five and a half days on short-end pickups where he basically got to make it because he, because they, he traded uh, use of the equipment for these days instead of a fee for doing uh, cover, coverage on another shoot. <laughs> and it's about this, it's about this cult – uh, this ancient Egyptian cult of chainsaw worshippers, uh, who are trying to, who are sacrifice, who are chainsawing Johns and everybody, they they're sent out as hookers on the street and they're sacri- and they're chainsawing these people and it's this big huge uh, thing so that they can live for another hundred years. Right. Uh, and you have this. Private Eye, named Jack Chandler, played by the great Jay Richardson. Hell yeah! Who is looking for this? Who is looking for this uh, missing girl, who is played by Linnea Quigley? Uh, who and he finds her as she's trying to go undercover in this chainsaw hooker cult that is led by Leatherface himself, Gunnar Hansen. And he has like minions that are played by other great B movie luminaries such as Michelle Bauer and Don Wildsmith, and it's this film. See, I, and I and I kind of knew this because you know I knew that oh, there'd be a lot of people that on the on the panel here that are picking that very very important thing about exploitation films being really you know kind of disturbing and going further. And, you know, showing, like, how much you can go, how much you can provoke. And I knew there going to be a lot of that. This one, there's no provocation. This is silly. This is just a straight-up 75-minute wild, what-the-hell-were-they-thinking comedy. <laughs> and it is hilarious. It's got everything that you want in an exploitation film. It's got – it's funny. It's got – some great people in it, it's got gore, even though the gore is wonderfully crude, it's just people throwing, yeah. uh, blood fake blood and toy store body parts at, uh, off screen at people uh, it's got uh, lots of nudity and it gives you everything you would want and I would love even everything down to the title because, uh, you know, Patton Oswalt did an act once where he talked about how the greatest uh, film title of all time was Texas Chainsaw <laughs> Massacre and he said cuz cause it, cuz cause it gets better and better you hear texas who cares you, you see here texas chainsaw you're like hey and you hear texas chainsaw massacre you're like we got to see this yep my i i disagree i think the greatest thing is hollywood chainsaw hookers because speaking personally I love all three of those things. I love, <laughs> I love Hollywood. I love k I love hookers. You're gonna put them in the same movie, Scott? Goddamn! Scott, please tell me
3: how much you like hookers. Why? Why do you have such an affection for hookers? <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear this story.
6: No, 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 no. On screen, on screen. <laughs> I
1: was on ask screen. About believe it or not, believe it or paper not, paper I am waiting.
6: Believe it or not, I'm way too bashful for. <laughs> <laughs>
3: well, there's a great story on um, not to not to constantly self promote, but on uh, we had Fred, Fred Olin Ray on our documentary uh, "Screaming in High Heels," where he discussed Hollywood uh, chainsaw hookers. Where he said that it was you know it's it probably what it, uh, the number two B movie of all time in in terms of gross because. Uh, Everyone wanted to see it but not admit to anyone that they actually watched it. Mm -hmm. Um, But everyone still rented it, and to this day, it is still a huge seller and still a huge renter based on the title alone and that amazing cover with uh, Michelle Bauer in lingerie with wielding a chainsaw.
6: He says he never expected this to... I mean, he said he knew that maybe they could make a buck from it, and he, this was one of the films he made himself. He was usually like doing films for other people. He still does. He does films for Sci-Fi Channel now. Back then, he was doing films for Transworld. He's done films for Skinamax over the years. He says, every now and then, I do a film for myself, like one – well, maybe it's not going to be a classic, but it's something that I'll have final cut of, and I have a say of what's in the movie. He says that he never expected that years later this would be the one that everybody goes back to, but he's used it to start his Blu-rays, and he said, I don't know if the Blu-rays are going to sell, but I'll try marketing Hollywood chainsaw hookers because that's going to be the biggest one. Yeah. And the limited edition thousand co- signed copies, of which I have one, and Me I watched, and, uh, watched it and, e- and exhausted all of the extras on the <laughs> movie because it's not to go on a shelf and just be admired. It's meant yeah. to admire the film on it. That they sold out right away. So he says, Jude, dude, I can do these. This is cool. And it's funny because it's such when you hear it, you're like, oh, my God, it must be trash. You watch it. It is trashy, but it's so oh, yeah. fun. It's so silly that it's kind of amazing that it's still been banned in places and it's still come up against censorship. Uh, such as like um, he brings up something on the documentary there that in England, it's apparently illegal to use the word chainsaw.
5: In- yeah, in that video nasty's part two documentary yeah. just came out, they they mentioned they show the cover. It says Hollywood Hookers and there's yep. a picture of a chainsaw. It's a picture
6: of a chainsaw. Yeah, he shows the and he shows that sticker and he's like, he, he can't figure it out. I'm like, I can't either, Fred. <laughs>
8: it's just a you know I think Hollywood hookers is far more uh, yeah. it, it, it makes it makes it sound
6: it makes it sound worse. It's kind of it's kind of like you know when they would uh, clean up. They try to clean up the cursing on TV, and they'd and they'd come up with cursing that actually sounded worse. Yeah, <laughs> God. absolutely.
5: Bleeps and black bars make everything dirtier than they were. <laughs>
3: <laughs> absolutely, yeah. Hollywood Chainsaw is just an absolute fun time. If you're gonna oh, talk about the classic. epitome of 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 sleaze. Done with tongue in cheek. Uh, it, Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers is is definitely a really super fun film that everyone should check out. Everything. So let last-
6: Every, I just wanted to say that everything no, I love about the movies can be summed up in the virgin dance of the double chainsaws. Oh, yeah, it's, absolutely it's, classic. It's quirky, it's sexy, it's violent, and it's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you want
3: to see Linnea Quigley wield this huge chainsaw, and she's a tiny little girl. Um, it's, it's a classic sequence. Oh, God, that's so good. So, last but not least, Mr. Andrew Shearer, let's hear the movie that you're bringing to the table, my friend.
5: Oh, this is tough, man. This is really tough because, like Scott said, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of ways you go there. Because I'm a fan of a lot of this stuff and a lot of these things we're talking about. I I, I had a hard time choosing, but I had to go with a uh, with with a women's prison movie because here's the deal. I love women's prison movies. That's just one of my things. And so, if you're going through my movies over the years, people check out the shelves. I got to the point where I put these tapes in a case. That, that closes because I got sick of people <laughs> saying, like, hey, women's prison, that sounds – and then they keep looking and the shelf doesn't quit. They're all women's prison stuff. And they're like, whoa. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm, I'm a feminist. I mean it, it says that on my Wikipedia. I, You know, so a lot of people don't understand. You know what I mean? They're like, what? Ha. Huh? <laughs> so I picked a movie called Women's Prison Massacre because that – you have not, not just the women in prison or – bear behind bars or caged teeth but then you got massacre on the end and right. like you know like that like he was saying about the Pat oswald bit you throw massacre on there whoo. <laughs> it's, it's just sleazy
0: on top of sleazy what could this be women's prison massacre is renowned italian exploitation maestro bruno gruesome and shocking tale of female incarceration the prisoner has been sentenced to five years in prison when falsely convicted, Emmanuel finds herself locked up in a corrupt penitentiary. She vows to defend her cellmates from the ruthless warden and brutal, sadistic guards. <laughs> Aldering sex and violence come four bloodthirsty death row inmates. Blasting their way to a prison-taker, these psychotic criminals take advantage of the all-female situation. I'm ready to blow anyone that tries to move the bits in this mother-mugging prison.
1: You'll never make it, even if you kill us.
0: Only to find they've bitten off more than they can chew.
1: Stop it! Fire!
0: Women's Prison Massacre. Maximum security has just gone to hell.
5: So that's yeah, that's the one I picked from 1983, and it is another is another Italian movie. But yeah, yeah, that was my choice.
3: Yeah, I think the women in prison films, like the the film I talked about earlier that uh, spurred this episode, the SS camp women's hell, is that it, to its core, it's I mean. It's made geared toward men that want to ogle women that are that are naked in showers a lot of the time. And and, and they are oppressed to some some degree. Um, sometimes they, they escape and uh, they, you know, they give the, the the oppressor their comeuppance. But for the most part, they are they are basically tortured or they're, uh, you know, locked up and uh, oppressed for an hour and a half. What brought you into loving uh, the women in prison films so much, well, Andrew?
5: I actually, man, I just, I like women in movies where they have outrageous roles, you know. I just, I, you know, from from punk rock background and from all of that other stuff and from feminism, you start to really realize really quickly, and I think the, the documentary Machete, uh, Machete, Machete Maidens Unleashed, somebody, and I wish I could remember who said this. It was one of the females that was in, you know, some of those Philip Pino shot, um, you know, Corman pictures about with women's prison. They said, if you want to see like women in an action movie, like shooting guns or fighting and things like that and shit talking, you know what I mean? And having sex and all this stuff and being lesbian, there's only one genre of movie that's going to give you all that in one movie. And that's the women in prison genre, man. Right. And right. that's, that's why I dig it so much. Cause this is, it's just mega stuff. And women's prison massacre, you know, I would have to say it's not my favorite women in prison movie because that one is uh, *Fugitive Girls*. But *Fugitive Girls* only takes place part in prison. It's mostly like a *Prison Break* movie. Yeah. Women's prison massacre takes place an entire, entire thing. It takes place in prison, and it is the. Uh, it also happens to be the final uh, *Black Emmanuel movie. So the star of it is Laura Gemster playing the Emmanuel character. So Very nice. So she, you know, she shows up in this jail. And the first part of the movie is just all these women being terrible to each other, man. They're like rivalries and stuff. There's fighting. There's, you know, there's a lot of shit talk. There's like, you know, cut your face, bitch. I'll bite your nipples off. <laughs> they just say all kind of wild stuff. I mean, that, that's one thing about this movie. I mean, people don't even hold back. And then there's this group of prisoners that uh, they're being transported to another jail, and they're all men. And then uh, they start shit talking inside the prison van. Talking about, I'd take the gun and shove it up your ass and blow your teeth on your face. I mean, they just it, the dialogue is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so they, yeah, they end up having a um, they they make an escape attempt, and they end up having to uh, sequester these dudes in the women's prison. So you got crazy psycho men now in the women's prison, and it just is it gets bad. It gets like s- terrible bad. You think these ladies had it bad before? These dudes are messed up, and it just like there's a scene that the I think the movie's most famous for its Russian roulette scene where these guys make these women, you know, get that gun and and uh, and do the Russian roulette thing. And uh, I'm I'm I don't care about spoiling it for people because I know what you'll want to see in this scene. It's really actually tense for a cheesy movie. Um, one of them does blur brains out. And it goes all over one guy's face, and you could see like they—it looks like red paint. You know what I'm saying? Like the blood doesn't look super real, but they right. put chunks of like something white in it. that's supposed to look like teeth or bone, and it goes right in his mouth. But what's cr- thats that's where I'm getting to about *Women's Prison Massacre*: the faces of these actors. They keep in mind they're dubbed, and that's corny. But these—the faces of the people they cast in this movie—it'll hurt your feelings watching them. Doing is a <laughs> lot of close-ups of them too. But I love Laura Gemser. I love the Emmanuel series. I also love Emmanuel Lewis but that's another thing
3: <laughs> but, but, but it's uh, the next franchise episode remember yeah
5: exactly exactly but man yeah this, this one's just it is it's total like you you said scumbag scum sleaze this is one of the one of those ones that's lazed in the bottom of the barrel for me because like I said if I'm going to watch a women's prison movie it's probably not going to be this one not that it's bad no. but it's just it's, it's not a feel good flick no not it, at all but um <laughs> the weird part about it is when we talk since we can nerd a little bit about distributors and stuff, of, of all places um, I believe it was uh, Mike Rosso's company, I can't remember the label maybe Retro Shock Cinema um, mm-hmm. was the one to distribute this movie and yes, distribute it was. uncut and it's a little unusual for them, they were mostly um, in the trade of like uh, shot on video horror, uh, they messed around a little bit with stuff like Devil's Blade Plaything but when I was a when I was a blogger I got everything from these guys Yeah. and, and, and um <laughs> And uh, that's that's how it came to me. I was like, "Women's prison massacre, uncut." And I see Laura Jimster's face on the spine. I'm like, "Laura oh, yeah. because I I thought I'd seen all the manuals. And, you know, I thought the craziest of manual was trap them and kill them.
3: Oh, uh, that's a that's a nasty one, dude.
5: It's yeah. nasty. It's got cannibalism. It's got porn. But I I would say Women's Prison Massacre go toe to toe with that one. It's the, the easier. easier one to find.
6: This definitely. is easier I I got a bunch of stuff around that time too from him, Andrew, because I had to re- I had to review this damn movie three freaking times, because the first time they were, and it was retro shock cinema. They did you know they did the regular. Hey,
5: gosh, total recall for me. Yeah. Yeah, they did. They did. <laughs> they did sedu- cause they had
6: seduction cinema, and then they had re- retro seduction yep. cinema, then they had Shakurama, and then it was retro Shakalama or whatever.
5: Now, you want to uh, talk about Sedax is a cinema? One second. Er, just going to take a little small oh, detour oh, if that's I'll, okay I'll, with everybody. I always want to hear about Just one moment. <laughs> of course. <man>. I <laughs> Missing one day. No, you want to talk about not being able to put your movies out. I got no shame in my game, okay? But the, degree, the amount of movies that company put out around that time with titles like a erotic witch project and lord of the g-string and playmate (laughs) of the ape like somebody would think you had a bunch of dork ass pornos sitting in your living room so i had to that was the first thing i had to get in the garage and put all these in a box oh those are all those
6: those (laughs) are all those are all all lined up on two on two it was
5: so many of them and and, uh, if you're a reviewer you're not allowed to sell them or put them on ebay because they got employees that actually check that stuff so i got all these old titty movies I i don't know what to do with it Dude, I have
6: I, I have all those movies lined up on two full rows on a shelf in my bedroom. Do you have Kinky Kong? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I have both, Kinky I, Kong. I, I, okay, <laughs> hold hey, on. Hey, hey. I come so, back up. I got to hear about cool,
3: this. I got to hear about Kinky clean Kong. I have
5: naughty versions of no, Kinky S- Kong. Scott, um open up your Kinky Kong. Is it near you? <laughs> no. <laughs> in <the> a <laughs> different room. What do you want? What do you want? Well, you should see who wrote the liner notes for Kinky Kong.
6: Did you do the liner notes, dude? Yeah, dude.
3: <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. I'm
6: only doing that. Oh, my God. It's slow awesome. It, slow hey, it down, Derek. boys. Six I Kinky need to hear separate. about this
5: movie. Derek, and there's one part in the movie where where you don't see Kinky Kong. You just see like these people like seeing him that, like from a building, and one of his pubic hair is supposed to fall on him, and it's just like a black rope. <laughs>
6: Great. Oh, Pinky okay. It has one of the greatest, it, has, it has. It is a great. It, has, it is a wonderful. Because this was around the time of Pete Jack, Peter Jackson's King Kong, so it was like all retro King Kong, and it had this great tagline on it. It said, "The eighth wonder of the world likes to watch."
5: But, but doesn't he like come on some people and it's just like a giant milk bucket yeah. or something? I'm yeah.
6: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I wrote
5: the liner notes for that one. That's, uh, um, another, in another life,
6: that's some I'm type of shit. I'm digging into just... that sucker. <laughs> <laughs> um, God. But, oh, I, but I, yeah, that's fantastic. I remember that when yeah, when they released Women's Prison Massacre though, I had to, I got the first copy. I'm like, okay. And I was writing for cult cuts at the time, I believe. Great website. Uh, I don't think it's around anymore, but Mark Engel, great person who runs it, ran it. I love Cult Cuts, man. Cult Cuts was great. I I wrote for them, and uh, I got. Uh, women's prison massacre and then he says hey man i'm sending it to you again a couple months later i'm like why he says because they accidentally put out a cut version i'm like it gets worse (laughs) yes and so he sent me and i saw i got the two then i got the new uncut version and then they sent and then they sent me the two disc version i'm like oh Fuck! <laughs> so I've got so many versions of this w- of women's prison massacre over here because I've had to review it. What I love—it doesn't start out really arty, though. Aren't they in
4: like
5: they yeah clay? Kind of oh yeah. no, it's got it's got like the vagina monologues at the Yes, yeah. I fucking love that. I oh
4: think
6: I've I think I I've watched met- it
5: on VHS and. The, the, the,
4: years ago is where I found it. And I, I have the, you know, the Oh my TV God. TV I think
5: I have the VHS too. Cause doesn't, the, yeah. doesn't, the, doesn't the cover have that like the chick with the, uh, with the blood on her, like the t-shirt or whatever. huh. Yeah. I
6: have that my movie, Yeah.
5: Yeah. Ha- we ripped that off for the cover of our movie, pajama nightmare. Yeah.
6: yeah. I, re- I, I remember, I remember, I think I, I think I, I think I, w- I think I wound up saying that, uh, the uh, that 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 opening was kind. Of, it was either vagina monologues or waiting for Godot or something. And I said it was it was like that play as performed by the local free clinic. It reminded yeah, me of this television bright, movie called makeup Money makeup. on the Side. That I'm sorry, Sagan.
4: There's a television movie called Money on the Side, where mm-hmm. Jamie Lee Curtis, mm-hmm. Linda Pearl, and Karen Valentine play middle class housewives who start hooking on the side, and they That's all so have awesome. monologues like that throughout the. You know, Jamie Lee Curtis's big one was how she always wanted a nice uh, cashmere sweater, and now she's able to afford it.
1: <laughs> Brian,
4: I gotta see
6: but this. But they,
4: they—they have all these models where they look at the camera in between like the scenes and 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 reveal their innermost. Okay, know, that's I'm it. it's not
6: commercially available, so I'm looking it up um, on the file. Money on the side, I it. love it. Linda Pearl, baby. Money on the. I'm all about Linda certain... Pearl. So so yeah, this went into awesome. some weird
3: places. Well, you know, that's that's what exploitation film does, is that once you get into one, it'll lead you into another and into another genre and into another genre. That's kind of the thrill of it. So to close this out, boys, I want I want each of you to kind of give me your your answer for why exploitation. Seth, give me your answer. Why exploitation?
8: Uh, because it's exciting. You know, it's a thrill ride, and as you said, it just keeps Leading to more and more types of movies. And I enjoy that. Uh, the variety is never ending. And uh, regular movies are boring most of the time. So let's watch some sleaze, you know? Absolutely, brother. Andrew, why exploitation?
5: I just, I feel like this is the kind of movie that everybody. You know, really wants to see, but doesn't admit that the, what they want when they go to see like any type of other type of movie. And you know, Hollywood like wish they could do this stuff. Indies wish they could do this stuff. But everybody's got their moral compass, their credibility. They don't want to have to answer to focus group or their or, or PC whatever. They don't want to be strung up by the media or by the Twitter sphere. You want to see some honest type filmmaking that's just want to give you whatever you're looking for and appeal to your most based whatever. That's where exploitation, man, they, they come in there and they do you right. You will not leave unsatisfied. There's going to be something in there that you know, blow
3: your lid off. Absolutely. Brian, why exploitation?
4: You know what? Um, harmless naughtiness is I actually interviewed Erin Gray, and she kind of flipped it on me um, and asked me why I like these films. And we kind of came up with this phrase called harmless naughtiness, which is kind of like what we've all been talking about. But I always relate to stuff emotionally um and i just think there are there are so many social aspects to these films done in a gritty crazy fun way but you know fight for your life that really is about you know racism and bigotry you know these non-exploitation films really get into the heart of you know women's rights and stuff like that you know at at their core a tiny core but i I think that's why i love this i think it exposes society you know in a very you know violent gratuitous orgiastic way but i think it really gets at you know the heart of us you know
3: Absolutely. I agree. Totally. Scott Davis, why exploitation?
6: You know, my whole show is about this. Uh, it's, you know, when you look out at the movies that are out there, virtually every single, and I'm talk, not talking about exploitation, I'm talking about the main movies out there, the big Hollywood movies. They all blend in with one another. If you went to see Seventh Sun last week and said Jupiter rise, uh, ascending, how many people didn't notice? Uh, <laughs> you know. Uh, totally. Uh, how many, or or or, you know, the and that's one of the better ex- good good ones. I mean, how many of the things do you have the same post, with the same everything? These films rise above the pack because they have to. Because they have to. They, they know that they're aping other behavior, but they have to stand out. And there is a joy. There is a ruthlessness, and there is a, just an independence to the productions. They – you know, if I have to see one more – and it even happens an independent film. If I have to see one more self-important, long, dull, boring film that, that mistakes dread with suspense – I'm gonna wind up like going nuts at the Walmart, and you're gonna hear me on the news. I'm just gonna be described as Florida man. I'm gonna be one of those people, <laughs> <laughs> uh, because it's just driving me fucking nuts. But you know what? I sit down and I would watch, you know, and it could be something as like as like you know uh, socially relevant as Flavia, uh, Flavia or or Fight for Your Life, or it could be something as silly as uh, uh, Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers. I always even if it's not a great movie i always feel better after watching one of these i always feel like you know what somebody did it somebody tried somebody put themselves out there they really went for it they don't always make it but they went for it and there's this there's just a sense of you know when you get older you're level you know when you're younger you have levels of extremes you're like woohoo or you're like Arr! and then you when you get older you're kind of like you kind of like kind of like peter out in somewhere in the middle Not with exploitation films. Not with exploitation films. When I see these, there's the joy of filmmaking in these movies. And that's what really gets me about exploitation.
3: Well said, well said. Kate, why exploitation?
7: I think that a lot of it, at least for me, is I kind of want to see what I can find. I kind of want to see what each one is like. And I want to see how much I can actually stand to watch, and <laughs> and, um, and what I kind of get from each one. So, like, for something like The Sinful Dwarf, you know, you'd think that there's nothing about it that's good at all. And it is very sleazy, yes, but if you actually watch it, there's a lot going on, probably not intentional at all, But I think that if you're willing to look a little further in a lot of these movies, you can see a little bit more beneath the surface. And I always enjoy that, in addition to seeing how much sleeves I can handle.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. I I agree. I can't really add much more to what you guys said, because that's kind of the thrill of exploitation cinema, is that there's, like Scott said, there's... there's, uh, Excitement. There's kind of charm. There's there's kind of your your rush with limited budgets on a small time schedule, and you have a simple idea that you have to try and push to the extreme to sell this this picture. And there there's kind of a vicarious thrill there that that you don't get in any other types of films. So uh, to me, I always thrived on the exploitation films because it was something different. I'm bored with complacent modern cinema or even back in the day when I was just growing up watching stuff, I was always bored with the same old, same old. So there is that little bit of the devilish side on you where you're just kind of like this. I shouldn't be watching this. There's something exciting and there's something there. There's something potent there. So uh, I've always liked exploitation films because maybe it's a little punk rocky where you're just kind of you're flipping the bird and you're just saying, you know what, fuck, I don't have to be like everyone else. I can like dirty things and not feel bad about it, you know, and uh, sometimes there's socially redeeming things involved, but unlike <laughs> That's not like the film that I cho- that well I didn't really choose it was chosen for me um, SS camp women's hell which is a completely morally bankrupt film um, I mean it even has Holocaust footage in it which totally turned me off um, and it made me really feel awful for, for watching it. But you know what? Sometimes film needs to do that to you. It shouldn't just be rosy tinted and, and always just be appealing to pleasing you all the time. Um, that's what art should be. It should push boundaries and it shouldn't make you question what, uh, what you feel is safe and in what your morals are and, and things of that nature. Yeah. Exploitation films uh, are to the core of what Astro Radio Z is about. And uh, I'm, I'm glad to have brought you guys on there. Hopefully the listeners will have some new sleaze to go out there and seek out. Cause all the films that were presented are, are definite staples of any exploitation hounds. Uh, film viewing catalog. You should go check out every single one of these films. I'm definitely going to check out Brian's because I have not seen that, and I love me a, a non-sploitation a film. Definitely love me some non-sploitation. So let's roll this show out, and uh, let's doyle out the pimpage. Uh, Seth, why don't you tell us a little bit about where the listeners of Astro Radio Z can find you?
8: Uh, you can find me at celluliterror.blogspot.com. I talk about exploitation, horror films, and uh, DVD, Blu-ray reviews. Also on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, all at Cellular Terror. Add me. We'll talk about film. It'll be fun.
3: Awesome. Scott Davis.
8: You
6: can catch me at movieocrity.com. That's where you can check out all my reviews, all my columns, any podcast I'm on, and all the episodes of the web series, also called Movieocrity.com which you can check out all the ep- those episodes on Vimeo and YouTube. Season 3! Just premiered. <laughs> Just premiered Season 3 with uh, My Bloody Valentine. There's going to be a lot more this season, I hope. And uh, that's my that's basically my web series all about, basically, what we were talking about tonight, about why exploitation. Because it's fucking awesome, y'all! And, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and you can catch all that at movieocrity.com and then see the show on Vimeo and YouTube
3: awesome uh miss kate owens go for it
7: you can find me on it's only a and Cinemafile podcast andrew and i do a monthly cult core episode which can include anything from labyrinth to the sinful dwarf <laughs>
3: Yeah, I highly recommend the sinful dwarf episode. Even if you haven't watched the film, it's it's like you're watching the film with you guys because you guys get so repulsed by it at points that it's quite enjoyable to listen to. I I thoroughly enjoyed listening to that. It made me relive, like the images came right back because they're burned into my brain. Um, So I highly recommend go check that out. Mr. Andrew Shearer, pimp it out.
5: Oh, I guess I totally forgot I wrote the liner notes for Kinky Kong. <laughs>
1: if you have got Kinky a lot Kong and,
5: uh, I, and you run into me somewhere, I'll sign that for you. Uh. <laughs> What was the other one? Yeah, they released uh, Faces of Schlock. Uh, I'll sign that one for you too. I directed the movie Blood Witch. That's on Faces of Schlock. Both from awesome. yeah, cinema. But uh, if yeah, if you if you have uh, Amazon on demand, like to rent movies from there. Four of my feature films are on there: Fake Blood, Mondo Gonzo, Pajama Nightmare, and now the Underground Cinema with an S. And yeah, it's only two bucks, dude. Uh, I'll, I'll gladly take that, and you'll you get some bangs for your buck, you know. Awesome shit, whatever you want to call it. You, you've never. There's nothing like it, and I'm not saying that because I made them. I mean, for real. I would not sit here and talk about exploitation and then turn around and make a stupid movie.
6: These are great exploitation films. Absolutely, and, and they're completely Z- and, com- awesome. and, and they're completely unique. They are definitely like totally an Andrew Shearer production. There's not much <laughs> and like like a lot of the great exploitation filmmakers. There's nobody who can really imitate it. Thanks,
5: you guys. Yeah, they're not, like, full of, you know, gore and stuff like a lot of other people that try and do, like, these throwback 80s things. Uh, they're, it's it's really its own animal. We try to be unique with
3: it. Yep, and it's worth it. It's all fucking amazing. I love, I love them. love <laughs> $2. Go buy them, guys. Um, and last but not least, my good friend Brian Kirst. Pimp it out.
4: Well, if I was lucky, you'd find me floating in the outer spaces of your dreams at night. But since I'm unlucky, <laughs> don't uh, be so you'd sure. At big game <laughs> Fan on Facebook, I'll just leave it
5: at that.
3: Yeah, big gay horror fan on Facebook, folks. Go check it out. Brian has a ton of interviews when he goes to the conventions and, and just all great stuff. Um, go check him out. Obviously, you're listening to Astro Radio Z. You can find Astro Radio Z at astroradioz.com. Uh, there's a WordPress site. There's also a Tumblr page. Uh, you can find Astro Radio Z. You want to contact me, uh, podcast at gmail.com. Write me talk to me about uh, the show or if you just want to bitch at me because uh, you hate everything we have to say, well then please do so. I'd like to know that somebody's out there listening to this fucking show. Um, You can find it anywhere where podcasts you obviously found it. You're listening to the motherfucker. So it's on iTunes, <laughs> Stitcher Smart Radio, Spreaker, um, anywhere. Um, also, if, if you're so kind, you can go and uh, please support some of my m- measly little films, uh, Swamphead, uh, Screaming High Heels, and our new one, Hole in the Wall, which uh, is on Vimeo On Demand, uh, vimeo.com slash ondemand slash hole. Um, please, it's a measly two bucks. Support us. Um, go watch a film full of buttholes and uh, and men masturbating on severed fin- fingers. You're gonna love I it. Just it's
5: really fast forward fun. through the guy at the beginning. He's really weird. The guy at the beginning is <laughs> my favorite
4: part. Now who's that? Where did you find him?
5: <laughs> I don't know, he just seems like some derelict man Yeah, I think so he is a, derelict. A, a good um, meal, you know, a hot bath And he did that okay.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Well, We will be releasing The DVD and Blu-ray of The film soon with a ton of wow. uh, Special features wow. Um so uh stay tuned for that. I, like
6: to- I want a Blu-ray of that. Yeah, me too. Me man. too. It's beautiful
3: money. in in HD. <laughs> Absolutely beautiful film. So uh look out for that and uh obviously next episode you're going to be hearing more Vice Academy nonsense with all of us. So stay tuned. Thanks for listening to another episode of Astro Radio Z. Adios. <laughs>